about six years ago, I think it's about six years ago, a movie came out entitled Woodlawn. I don't know if any of you have seen that movie or even heard about it, Woodlawn. Uh, the movie is based on a true story of how love and unity overcome hate and division in the early 1970s at a Birmingham, Alabama high school called Woodlawn. And it's where a gifted football player learns to embrace his talent and his faith while battling racial tensions on and off the football field. That, the name of that football player is familiar to Miami Dolphins fans. Uh, Tony Nathan is his name. And he was chosen by the Miami Dolphins in a third-round draft pick uh, uh, in 1979. And uh, he played for Alabama, Bear Bryant as well. Uh, he, but uh, Tony Nathan was a running back for about uh, eight years for Miami. And he had gone to a couple Super Bowls as well. So when that movie came out, they also provided some resources for churches to be able to go through. Sunday school lessons or small group lessons or Bible study lessons and stuff like that. Uh, sermon helps as well, too, and all that. So I, I noticed that, and I thought, well, that, that, that'd be probably good sometime, so I just filed it away. And then um, I thought, in light of our, our nation's issues, as well as where our church is at these days, I felt the need for us to, to go through this series and to look at uh, what this has to offer for us today. Um, you know, we won't be seeing any of the movie. <laughs> I, I encourage you to look it up. I think it might be on Netflix or maybe even on Amazon Prime or something like that. Might be able to rent it if you want to uh, on demand. But uh, Woodlawn, um, encourage you to take a look at that. But I won't be showing any movie clips or anything like that it, or promotional materials. I, I want us to focus in on what the message has for us, not necessarily what the movie has for us today. Not that I'm against the movie, but. Uh, be able to hear what God has for us today. And the message of that is, in this series, is one, one. One hope, one truth, and one way. And I think throughout these next uh, uh, few weeks, we'll be able to see this. Now, if you grew up in, uh, or lived in the 60s, now I was born in 67, so I don't know a lot about the 60s. Uh, I've heard a lot about it. You know, though, it was a time when America was racially segregated. A lot of things going on there. And it seems like these days we are reliving the, the upheaval of those days over again. Um, but in then also then in the early 70s, integration began to take place, uh, desegregation. And uh, this was a groundbreaking period because a student's skin color no longer determined the school he or she would attend. They were able to attend anywhere then. Well, that was a very wise and biblical decision. Uh, the first few years were kind of delicate at times as uh, schools uh, were in a tenuous situation with this. And sometimes it's a dangerous situation as well. And not everyone on either side of the situation was open to looking beyond the surface to see someone's heart. And at the same time this was happening, there was a, a Christian revolution sweeping the nation. Uh, in, in the early 70s. Time Magazine, on their cover uh, story, called it the, the Jesus Revolution. And some of you probably recall that as well, too. Again, myself, I was about seven or six or seven at the time, so I don't recall too much of that. Uh, and it was a widespread, miraculous movement rooted in a very bold claim that came straight from Scripture in John 14, 6, 
When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. There were uh, countless programs and events where students in their teens and 20s unashamedly took a bold stand for Jesus. Campus Crusade, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they were all involved with this. And those who made decisions didn't really care what others thought or if they would be accepted by their peers or co-workers. They just wanted Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, just Jesus. And when you see the story of unity kind of come to life, it, it kind of begs the question for us all. Is it possible for a spark to be ignited for Christ today in his church? Can it happen now? Could it happen again in our schools and churches, on our college campuses and in our neighborhoods? Could, it, could a common commitment to Christ unite us in, in, uh, uh, in spite of racial diversity or tensions over social and economic differences? And, and can spiritual revival take place and lead to unify uh, our nation? Uh, our prayer group on Thursdays have been praying about that as well, too, for, for revival in our nation, revival in ourselves, uh, because, of course, it begins with each person to realize their need for Christ and what he can do in a person's life. So in, in the next six weeks, we're going to look at this series called One. And it, actually seven weeks if you take, we, we're going to take a break on, on Mother's Day and have a Mother's Day message there. But we'll focus on Christ as well as reaffirming our faith in him in this. And we will discover, hopefully rediscover, the one hope, one truth, and one way through Jesus. Now, in this first message, we're going to take a look at the church, who we are. Uh, this, this team that Christ kind of brought together and uh, be able to share the gospel and be able to reach the world. We are the ones. We are who he's counting on to be able to continue on the message and realize that when uh, the church is unified, God is glorified. And no matter what goes on around us, the body of Christ needs to be unified in all of this. Now, the original word from which we get the word church is the word ecclesia, and it means the called out ones. We are a fellowship that is different from the world. We should be different from the world. We are a group of Christ followers striving to be a representation of Christ. Wherever we go, people need to see Jesus in us. Sometimes we reduce the church down to merely a building or a place, but it's much more than that. And I believe in the last 12, 13 months, we've discovered that. We don't have to have a church building in order to come together. And we can come together online. We can come together uh, socially distanced, whatever it is. But you know what? This is not the church. It's a lovely place. Been here for many, many years. But uh, <clears throat> the church is the people. And we need to hopefully discover that as well, too, or rediscover that. If you turn to Romans 16, at the end of Romans there, chapter 16, you'll see that it's just a list of more than two dozen names. Two dozen names. And if you're not careful, you'll miss out on what and who the church is. It's kind of like the same thing when you go to Matthew and Luke and you look at the genealogy of Christ. And uh, if you look a little closer to those names and lists there, and you don't just breeze through them real quick, 
you'll discover some insight in that list. The same thing here with these two dozen names in Romans chapter 16. And in this letter to the Romans, uh, to Rome, Paul gives a shout out to the people in the church there in Rome. Those he has uh, crossed paths with and he's developed friendships with, he mentions them in this chapter. He's saying that the church isn't just a place, it's people who are united by their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what makes it a church. So we need to hear this today. In the midst of in-person and online services, we, we may not be in the same place, but we can be united by our faith in Jesus. And when the church is unified, God is glorified. So let me share with you three ways that we can build the church today so that it can continue to be what God intended it to be. So the first uh, element I want to share with you is the church is built on unity. I already talked about that a couple times. The church is built on unity. In this portion of scripture in Romans 16, listen for the names. Don't don't get too focused uh, and fixated on how they are pronounced, okay? (laughs) Because you might pronounce them a different way and I'll pronounce them some other way as well too. But listen to how diverse the early New New Testament church was. And maybe, maybe we'll learn some lessons here. So the first four verses in Romans 16. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So these church, these church members were committed to the church. They helped out. They worked together with Paul. They served and they risked their lives for him and, and advanced, an advancement of the gospel. And Paul goes on to begin listing the names of people he wants to say hello to, <laughs> greeting them. Verses 5 through 7. It says, greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first con- convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ Jesus, uh, Christ before I was. So here he, the last couple of names were, were people who had been imprisoned for their faith. And he lists those people there. Maybe they were imprisoned with Paul. We don't know. But the next few verses contain the names of several people who most commentators say that they, they agree that they were slaves. You have Ampliatus and Urbanus and, and, and along with the household of uh, Aristobulus and the household of Narcissus. Uh, these people. And there are several more names of slaves a little bit later in the passage. But the names of the leaders in the community also are, com- are included in this. In this list, there are rich, there are poor, there are male and female, there are Jew and Gentile, there are slave and free. There are a whole wide range of types of people in this list. And this church in Rome crossed all sorts of cultural lines And it was kind of a microcosm of the city. Church is to be a melting pot. 
of all cultures, all ages, all genders, and socioeconomic backgrounds. But that can't happen if we evaluate people based on their earning potential <laughs> or based upon uh, the neighborhood where they live or even the color of their skin. I remember as a little kid, about seven or eight, um, we moved to Tustin, California, way, uh, way, uh, far away from the thriving metropolitan town of Wadsworth, Ohio, <laughs> another small little area. And uh, we lived in uh, Tustin for a couple of years there. And I remember living in different apartments there, uh, various places. But I also remember coming down to the playground of the apartment area and being able to play with other kids and enjoy that. Now, me, me being an only child, I had no brothers or sisters to play with. Uh, cousins weren't uh, uh, too nearby. And so playing with these kids, I was able to do that. And this apartment complex was a very diverse place. There was, there was white, there's Latino, there's black. But it was no different to me. I, I, this is a kid, this is a child I was able to play with. I didn't have this. <laughs> it was fun and enjoyed that. I didn't notice the skin color at that time. And neither do I do these days as, either as well. But what if, we, what if we also too didn't notice the skin color? or the ethnicity of, of an individual. And not to, not to ignore their heritage or anything like that. That's valuable. We need to acknowledge that. But not to let that get in the way of what we think about people. And what if we saw them for what was on the inside instead of looking on the outside and the cover? A great place for this to start is within the church, right here. We can break down these barriers, these walls, and begin to see those in our community, the way Jesus sees them. And the way Paul writes, it's as if a church with incredible diversity in the areas of, of race and wealth and background was the norm and not the exception. Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul says over in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, he says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were, who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the mindset we need to have. That's a picture of the church and what it is to be. And maybe that's why the church is called the body of Christ. Many parts, one body. Look at the, back in Romans chapter 16, verse 12. It says, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. You'll notice that throughout uh, the entire chapter here, that there is a true service component kind of woven within the church here. When you serve those who are hurting with the body of Christ, when you, when you reach out to those outside to bring them in by meeting their needs, when we serve others, then and only then do we start to resemble the church God intended. We meet those needs not only within the body of Christ, but also, too, as the body of Christ is used to meet needs outside the church. Then we are resembling the church God intended. The only way to do that is to work together as one. So the church, again, is built on unity. 
The church is also built by relationships. Built by relationships. If you look in verses 13 through 15 in this uh, Romans chapter 16, the fact that Paul was involved in their lives is pretty impressive. A lot of, lot of lives there that he was involved with. Look in verses 13 through 15. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me, too. Greet uh, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet uh, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, as, and all the saints with them. Did you hear all those names? <laughs> a lot of different kinds of names there. Each one represents someone who Paul made a connection with. He had a relationship with them. It may have been uh, through some type of small serving group. It may have been uh, through a house church worshiping together. A group that maybe just uh, studied the Bible or regularly prayed together. Whatever it was, he had a relationship in some way with them. And they were close relationships. For him to talk about Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother. Oh, I know his mother. His mother's kind of a mother to me as well, too. Those kinds of relationships. You know, when you come to a church and, and there usually is a grandma or grandpa of the church, right? Uh, our kids, when they grew up over at Labish Center, there's a Grandma Phyllis was her name. And she was the grandma of the church. And all the kids would come to her and just enjoy time with her. Um, of course, she had a pool in her backyard. And <laughs> we were able to have fun over there, too. But she was basically, she, she would bring potluck, she would bring her famous dishes and stuff like that. There's always some kind of grandma or grandpa of the church that everyone goes, oh yeah, we know them. We know them. And here, uh, with the relationship that Paul had, it's very evident that they were deep relationships as well. They had connected with Jesus and with one another. A lot of you as well, too, are connected with one another, either by family, and uh, it's not by choice, <laughs> but, but or maybe by friendship as well, too. And you're able to connect tightly, deeply. These weren't just acquaintances here that we are seeing in Romans 16. They were friends, and Paul knew them well. Now, skip on down to verse 23. In verse 23, it says, Gaius whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cortus send you their greetings. <laughs> Think about this. Think about it. As you, as you hear that verse, verse 23, Erastus was a man of position in the community. And then you have Cortus, who was a slave, didn't even have a real name. You know what Cortus means? The number four. Hello, four. How are you doing? It's <laughs> a what? The number four. But in the body of Christ, they, they are mentioned side by side, and they're together. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 through 26, it says, So there should be no division in the body, but that its, body, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, before you write something or repeat some rumor, something you've heard, think before you do it. 
think maybe you'll write it down, but be ready to rip it up, <laughs> throw it away. Think before you do it. Before you send that email or that text message, think before you hit the send button. Think first. If you're part of this church family, please realize that if you are divisive, if you badmouth another believer or you are constantly criticizing leadership decisions, then you are wounding the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ that we represent. And as a Christian, it's a self-inflicted wound. <laughs> a self-inflicted wound. The damage you are doing, in essence, hurts both Jesus and yourself. In light of racially driven upheavals in the last 12 months, our country needs a change. This is a pivotal time in our culture. And a church can take the lead by setting an example on how we treat those of a different race, different background, also to a social class. When the church is unified, God is glorified. Listen to this story. Listen to the story that took place soon after slavery ended. An African-American man had fallen on hard times and had no food. He heard of a wealthy white family who might be sympathetic to his plight, so he went to their house. Now, he, he walked up the front steps to the porch, knocked on the door, and the woman who answered glanced quickly to the neighbor's house on the right and then to the left, and then she whispered to the man, meet me on my, my back porch, and abruptly closed the door. And dutifully, the, the man went around to the backyard, which was more secluded back there. The woman came out on the back porch, handed him a basket of bread, saying, now, before you eat, we need to thank God for the food. So repeat after me. Our Father, who art in heaven, and the, and the man, black man respectfully began to pray, your Father, who art in heaven. <laughs> and the woman said, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. No, now just repeat after me, repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. And again, the man said, Your Father who art in heaven. And the woman said, Why do you insist on saying your Father? Can't you just repeat after me? And the man quietly replied, Well, ma'am, uh, if he was our Father, that would make us brother and sister. And if we were brother and sister, you wouldn't have made me come around to the secluded place in your back door <laughs> to help me. Sometimes we do a good thing. Sometimes we intend to do a good thing. But we don't do the best thing or we don't do the right thing at times. And Psalm 133 verse 1 tells us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. When we're able to come together and realize that it isn't because of uh, uh, who we are on the outside, but who God has created us to be. When we come together realize the potential that each one of us has, then, then we have something that we can grasp and, and move forward with. There's no sneaking around the, to the back door. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where we've come from. I've uh, played for a number of soccer coaches in my time when I was able to play soccer. <laughs> back in high school, back in the times where uh, in college as well too, and different coaches. And I remember in, in playing, I had to listen to what the coach had for me. 
The coach had a plan, and I was part of the team, and I had to do my part. I was a defender. I was on the, on the left side defending, and I had to do my part. I had my assignment and ready to go, and, and the coach would make sure that I knew what I needed to do. He had the authority to tell me what needed to be done, and so I placed myself under the authority of that coach for, for that soccer team. I'd have to listen, I'd have to obey, and I'd have to, I'd have to submit to the coach's leadership in that way. And when that happened, our team worked quite well. When it didn't, well, the coach had another plan. We were just able to do what we needed to do because the coach wanted to move that direction. The same applies to those who choose to follow Christ and be part of his church. We need to place ourselves under the authority of Jesus. When a person chooses to be a Christian, they are saying they, that they are going to listen to the Holy Spirit nudging them to make God-honoring decisions. They are going to obey God's word and submit to Christ's leadership. So when we are on our way through the days and, and we're doing our thing, we need to be reminded that we are under the authority of Christ. If he has something for us, if he has a, a specific plan for us, we need to make sure that we're willing to do it, that we move forward with him. Some of, sometimes we, we, we hear from God and through his word, and we're going, really? You really want me to do that? You really, this is, this is the plan. But we place ourselves under the authority of Christ, and he leads us as the head of the church. And when that happens... Things go well. When we come out underneath that authority, you better watch out. There's, there's some consequences of that. Same thing with me in playing soccer. If I decided to do my own thing on that left side in the defense, I probably would have messed up the whole team. If I thought I wanted to score and <laughs> hit on up the front, that would leave four other people back there going, hey, 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 there's a guy back here you need to be guarding. I wanted to score a goal, though. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan for me. And so each one of us, as the body of Christ, parts of the body of Christ, we have the plan that God has for you. And he wants you to fulfill it. He wants to, you to walk in it under his authority. When that happens, we come together and we move forward as one. So the church is built on unity and by relationships. And finally, the church is built for a purpose. Church is built for a purpose. The church becomes a, a, a beautiful mosaic when it, when it looks like the, the community and doesn't seem segregated. You know, every tongue and, and tribe and nation will one day worship the Lord together in perfect harmony and unity. When we serve side by side, when all our surface difference, with, with all our surface differences, God can do a, a new thing and a good thing in our lives and in the life of the church. Easter sunrise services, we have six different churches coming together coming together to do a service and, uh, and let the community know about Christ and what, what God has done. It's been going on for 50 years. Did you know that? <laughs> Sunrise service, except for, I, I guess, last year it didn't happen, but, uh, but for 50 years, six different churches, one purpose. It's trying to be a connection for people to get to know Jesus. And if, if God can bring together six different churches... <laughs> To work together to do that. Couldn't he bring together a, a community here within our own church body? 
to come together and work together and move forward for him. I would want this church to be a church that treats everyone the same. Everyone the same, no matter what they look like, where they come from. A community where God's love changes lives, right? A place where, as in our, uh, two of our core values of our church, a place where we treat all people with love and grace and compassion. And another core value of our church, where we provide a safe place that promotes hope and healing for all. That word all is everyone. <laughs> no matter who walks through this door, no matter who we meet as an extension of our, 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 the church body, in, in our own communities, in our areas of influence, we are part of the body of Christ, and we treat all people with love, grace, and compassion. We promote hope and healing for all, not just who we think should have it. An encouraging church in the community is what we want to be. An encouraging church in the community that focuses on Christ rather than our, our denominational differences. Like I said, coming together six different churches, being able to move forward with uh, Easter sunrise service, uh, that's what, uh, what needs to be happening among all of us as well. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, in verses 20 and 21. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Purpose of being unified, purpose of, of being unified and developing deep relationships with one another so that the world may believe that God has sent Jesus. We need to be able to come together, be unified, developing those deep relationships so that people will see Jesus, will realize that God sent him. Have you ever seen a mosaic of stained glass before? Maybe in a church building that has beautiful, gigantic stained glass windows. I know Becky's father works on some stained glass. He does that. He kind of dabbles in that as well, too. He does some pretty, pretty nice work. But if you look at, at, up close at those things, if you look at, uh, not the stand back and look back at the whole thing, but you can get up real close to it and look at these things, you'll see that it's really nothing more than a collection of broken and, and, and maybe dirty, worthless pieces of glass. <laughs> They're all just kind of jumbled together. But in the hands of an artist, something beautiful is created. And individually, the pieces have little value, but they have more value when they are combined and placed in the hands of a creator. I'm just another broken piece who is trusting that God can work through my weaknesses and believing he can do the same with you as well. Through Christ, he can surround me with a bunch of other people who are broken, but have placed their lives in the hands of the creator of the universe, who wants to create a new thing in you as well. If you are looking for a perfect church here at Happy Valley, you better look somewhere else. <laughs> Keep on looking because this isn't the place, and I don't believe the perfect church exists. But if you're looking for a united church, that speaks and serves as one, if you are looking for a mosaic type of church that wants to embrace our differences and, and make them a strength, maybe your search is over. Maybe you found it. At Happy Valley, we are a collection of Christ followers who are broken. <laughs> we are sinners saved by grace. 
We just want to see God's love change lives. That's what we want to see. We look different. We are at uh, differing, differing points in our faith. We come from different parts of the country, Ohio, Georgia, Connecticut, Washington, uh, Illinois, North Carolina, Iowa, Hawaii, all these different places, California as well. We are an eclectic assortment of backgrounds and hopes and heritages, but there is someone who ties it all together, who ties us all together. We gather together each Sunday to celebrate the only one who is able to fix our brokennesses, brokenness with, with his skill and his expertise. Jesus can do all of that. And somehow Jesus blends us into this, this mosaic, <laughs> come together and move forward for, for him. His story intersects with our story, and as a result, our stories are never the same. He has ignited a spark in us that cannot be put out, and he can unite us in spite of our differences, so we become one. We all have come from different places, different backgrounds, but God can use each one of us to come together and work as the body of Christ to be used by him in this community. So bring your brokenness in your personal experiences, the good and the bad, and give them to God. Allow him to use what you have, just to offer him. Because he's the only one who can make something beautiful out of the broken pieces of our life. He's the only one who can bring those together and use those experiences in someone else's life and, say, and, and, and let them know what God has done in your life. They, he can do in, in that person's life as well. When the church is unified, God is glorified. There are many things that can cause us to be divided these days, aren't there? A lot of different things. One thing we wear on our face, right? There are a lot of things that we can be divided among. It causes division, especially these days. Vaccine or no vaccine. <laughs> Don't let that happen within our church family. Be determined that that won't be a divisive thing. That there won't be any kind of divisiveness that will, that will come in. That will cause that situation where we then find ourselves on separate parts of the aisle. No matter what tomorrow brings, let's be determined to remain unified. Deepen our relationships with one another and continue on with the purpose of letting others know about the saving grace of Jesus. <laughs> we need to be about the purpose of the church. And when we do that, uh, we're going to be a force reckoned with and uh, Satan's going to have a handful. <laughs> so let's move forward in a unified way as one and be one with him. I'm going to invite Annie and the worship team to come on up. They're going to share with us one more song. And as they do, use that as a, uh, your anthem, your anthem for the day, for the week. Be able to move forward and, as one and to be reminded that God is with us. He will keep us unified. We, we just need to follow him under the direction and authority of the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus Christ, right? So... As we sing this song, I trust that you'll be, uh, you, you'll be inspired to move forward this week.